Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. Today, we are having Brianna coming on the podcast to share her birth story with her little girl, Sophie. Some things that we talk about is a retroplacental hemorrhage, preterm birth caused by kidney stones, preeclampsia at 39 weeks, which ended up leading to a three-day induction, postpartum blues, yoga during pregnancy, COVID during pregnancy, preterm labor, pregnancy prep through red raspberry leaf tea, the mild circuit, um, dates, and then as far as a three-day induction, Brianna actually had Cytotec, Pitocin, a Cook's catheter, or a Foley balloon, same thing, um, and really got all the things through her induction. Her baby also ended up getting some jaundice postpartum and had to be under some lights at home. So let's dive into this episode with Brianna. Hello, and welcome to What the Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. Today we have Brianna coming on the podcast to share her birth story, her first pregnancy and first birth story. So thank you for coming on the podcast, Brianna. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, starting off, tell us how you met your partner, a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, so I met my partner through church. We knew each other for about five years, um, dated for about two and a half, got engaged, and then we're married um, last year in June. He he's an e, he works in EMS. Um, he's right now going to UNCC um, on track to go to PA school. Um, I'm a certified uh, yoga instructor. Um, so I'm working on doing that, trying to get that up and running a little bit more. And yeah, this is kind of our family. And then we got Sophie and we weren't really trying, but we weren't really not trying. So right. yeah. it's been a great surprise. So, All right. And you said Sophie, right? Yes. Okay. Right. So how did you find out you were pregnant with Sophie? Um. So I was like two weeks late for my period and my periods throughout like my entire teen years have always been super irregular. I really didn't think too much about it, but it was two weeks past, like the latest I've ever been. And I was like, I'll probably just take a test just to rule it out. I honestly did not think I was pregnant at all. So when I saw the positive, I was like, what? <laughs> it like shocked me. And I was like, this is insane. And I like cried over it. I was happy. Right. I, it was just like shock. Cause I literally had, it was, it was the last thing in my mind. Like I got it just because I just wanted to rule it out. Right. So I was like, oh, it's positive. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so how did you go about telling your husband? So um, I got a test and then I got this little onesie from Target. Um, and I just wrapped the test in the onesie and I put it in like a little package and I just gave it to him with the card. So um, did he did he know that you were late and you were going to take the test or was he like left field, totally shocked also? So I didn't tell him I was taking the test just because I didn't want to like unnecessarily like get him worried because he was on shift when I took the test. Gotcha. So I told him like 24 hours afterwards when he got home and he was definitely really shocked. We had talked about taking a test, but like not for like another week or something. So he was very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And also side note, I know you see me like I'm, I'm on my birthing ball. So <laughs> I know nobody else can see me, but I like, I'm watching myself in the camera and I'm like, I'm just like bobbing up and down. And that's why just, 
They're probably the last week's my pregnancy. I was living on the bouncing ball. Gosh, so. I feel so good on your hips. I cannot <laughs> sit in chairs. It's terrible. <laughs> Anyways, back to your birth story. Okay. So what was your pregnancy like with Sophie? How was it? Um, any bumps in the road? How are you feeling throughout? Um, so the first trimester, I had the typical, just like really tired. Um, I was, I had pretty bad, like morning sickness, nausea. There were several mornings where I was throwing up. Um, the only thing I honestly could tolerate in the mornings for like the first 18 weeks was like, um, little rice puffs with like a half of a banana. And that was it. <laughs> That's the only thing I could tolerate. Um, and then smells like, I just could not stand the smell of my husband and it sounds terrible, but I just couldn't like his smell. Like it made me vomit and I felt terrible. Does your husband stink or something? I'm confused. He doesn't, but like for whatever reason, just like his natural like body scent just made me want to vomit. That's and so <laughs> that's a first. I've never heard this before. Like I couldn't even kiss him goodbye before I would go to work in the morning because it would make me want to throw up. So, would, but he would be so upset. So I would like grab my nose and just try to kiss him real quick. So your biggest pregnancy aversion was your husband. <laughs> Sadly, yes, <laughs> so bad, but for some reason, it just really bothered me. Um, yeah, thankfully, other than like the super bad nausea, food aversions for sure. A lot of foods just did not sit well with me. I couldn't really grade them. So I pretty much was like living off of like bland foods for like the first 18 weeks. It's like the one time I tried to have like more like flavorful food, it would always come back up like I had tacos come up one time, never again. I was like, yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to wait on that one for a while. <laughs> um, so other than that, things went pretty smoothly. And then the end of the first trimester, I ended up getting a retroplacental hemorrhage. Um, I had, woke, I had the whole day, I just been like in pain. I felt really off. Something was definitely not right. And we ended up going to the hospital um, they were doing ultrasounds and they found it um, definitely pretty freaky, but they said that there's nothing they could do except just give me some medication and just see what would happen. And thankfully it didn't get any worse. It stopped bleeding and um, it ended up over the next several weeks and it ended up healing on its own. So we were very relieved, but it's definitely very scary because like we had no idea like what was going to happen. Um, cause no one in our families had ever had anything like that before. So it was kind of like a very new experience for us. Were you having vaginal bleeding during that or just like stomach pain? Um, I was having a little bit of vaginal bleeding. Thankfully it wasn't a lot. So it was just kind of like spotting. So it was it definitely worried me a little bit, but thankfully it wasn't like a ton of bleeding. Okay. Gotcha. <sighs> And then after that, how was kind of the rest of your pregnancy? You said that was the end of the first trimester. Yeah, I got that around 18, like 19 weeks. Okay. Um, so yeah, we were glad it ended up resolving because she was definitely way too young at that point. If they had had to do something that she probably would have been, you know, made right. it. Yes. Um, so um, second trimester, honestly, flew by a lot faster than I thought I was going to. Like I thought I had way more time. And then I like, remember just like looking at the calendar the one day and I was like wow the second trimester is like two weeks away from being over um and then I think I was like right at the end of second trimester in the beginning of the third and I got COVID in January I think for me personally it was just kind of like a bad flu um it wasn't 
super bad, but my OB ended up having us walk for two miles every day because she said that was her protocol to have, try to prevent blood clots because she said that was something she was seeing in pregnant patients who were getting COVID. They were also getting blood clots. Gotcha. So even though I was miserable, we walked <laughs> miles every day That's and great. thankfully um, it resolved. Like I lost my taste and smell for like a week um, and then it came back. So thankfully for me, it wasn't a huge deal. Um, but yeah, second trimester, super smooth, probably the easiest part of like my entire pregnancy because you just like feel like you have so much energy. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I didn't have like any of the nausea or anything like life was great and I was like man pregnancy is gonna be so easy (laughs) (laughs) and then the third trimester hits and then you start getting like your back starts hurting like you definitely start feeling like you're very pregnant Um, and then I was working at a chiropractic office at the time so I was like standing all day behind the desk putting patients you know on their therapies and I was just like so done by the time I was home I was like all I want to do is just sleep <laughs> and eat that's all I want to do right. um but um I tried to make the point I tried to do um try to do some form of yoga every day because that really helped like because I would have like really bad like lower back hip pain and definitely doing yoga every day and trying to do hip opening helped a ton and then I also saw saw the chiropractor I worked with I got to see her once a week starting around 27 weeks I went every single week once or twice and so I think that definitely like helped a lot yeah um so yeah third trimester I hit like 33 I was like 33 and a half weeks and I ended up going into preterm labor. So we went to labor and delivery. They gave me like all the medication to help stop it. It didn't look like it was like stopping on the way. So they gave me an epidural just in case I ended up delivering. Um, so I was in the hospital for like five days. Um, so they moved us to like the uh, cozy suite when it when um, it was found that I wasn't progressing anymore. So they moved me to kind of like the stationary area where you're kind of just waiting out, seeing what would happen. They started doing more tests and they figured out that it's a kidney stone that was probably causing it. So they went in and just decided to do surgery for it. Um, but I think they told me that I must have passed it like right before surgery because they couldn't find it. <laughs> So you are pregnant, underwent surgery for a kidney stone, and they got in there and found nothing. Yeah, they're like, you oh, must have right before you came up because no. not even here. <laughs> um, and they couldn't put me all the way under either. <laughs> so when I was there, they gave me like a spinal block. And like that freaked me out because like I couldn't feel the entire half of my body. And like my brain was like trying to like have me like at least wiggle my toes and I couldn't. And so my brain was like freaking out. And it was like the half of your body's just gone. Like something's wrong. Oh my goodness. And so I remember being like so anxious and I was like holding one of the nurse's hands. <laughs> she was so sweet. She was understanding. She was like just like patting my head. <laughs> and that one doctor came in and he could see like how like stressed I was. Um and he was like, oh, I'm just gonna feel like the milk of magnesia or something. And I like knock me out for a little bit <laughs> and then I remember waking up and they're like all right we're done and I was like okay <laughs> wow. but it was definitely pretty stressful thankfully um 
you know, nothing bad happened with it. I mean, they didn't find anything, but I was more worried that it was going to trigger like the labor even worse because they warned me it could happen. Right. Went in. Um, but yeah, they definitely didn't prepare me because when they were telling me about surgery, they're like, oh yeah, you're going to be completely all the way under. So I was like, okay. And then we get there and then the anesthesiologist is like, no, um, I can't actually do that because you're too pregnant. So yeah. Um, you're going, you're just going to have a spinal block. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we did that. We were in the hospital for like another day or two because they just wanted to check over things, make sure nothing else went wrong. We finally went home, which was a relief. I was glad to be home. Glad to not be dealing with it. Um, they gave us like some like meds to take. I took them for like two or three days and then I stopped because I wasn't having any symptoms anymore. I felt fine and I don't really like being on meds unless I have to be on them. So I stopped, nothing else like, you know, happened with it. So it was good. Um, so I gained almost all of my weight, like in the third trimester, like first trimester, I like lost a little bit of weight because I just couldn't really eat that much. Second trimester, like I gained a little bit, but then like the third trimester, I feel like I gained like all of my weight, like within a span of a few weeks, because at first I was like, man, I was like, I didn't really gain any weight with this pregnancy. I was like, this is great. And then the third trimester hit and I was like, oh, that's where all the baby weights come. I always tell people like, the big oh, I like, I didn't gain weight in the first trimester. Like, should I be worried? Should I eat more? And I'm like, nope, you don't worry. Cause trust me by the third trimester, it will come. It, yeah, it did. And I was, I was like, the same way. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the number climb, I was every week I went there, I was like surprised just how much the number went up. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but um, I'm trying to think. So I actually ended up switching to the midwife practice, like right at 30-ish weeks, because um, our doula had come over. She went over like a birth plan with us. Um, and I ended up, I think, trying to give it to like the OB I was with. And, um, she, she was a good OB, but the, the problem that I had is that the other OBs, like, it's not guaranteed that she'd be at my birth. And the other OBs that I had met weren't really as comfortable trying to do like a natural delivery. And so that made me nervous because, um, I didn't know if she would be in and I didn't really want to get stuck with someone I didn't like. And that didn't really, um, have, you know, the same things that I wanted in mind with them. So I switched to the midwives and I'm glad that I did because, um, you know, like in a little bit, you know, <laughs> figure out, but it, they, they, they made the a delivery what I wanted it to be. So I was really glad that I switched to them. Um, a lot of people didn't understand why I did, but I would definitely say like, don't be afraid to like stick up for what you want, because if you, if you don't say anything, they're going to have no idea what you actually want. And was, was the midwives like with the same practice? You just kind of, okay, gotcha. That makes it a little bit easier too. So it was way easier. All I just had to tell the lady at the desk was I would like to just see the midwives instead. Right. I found one who I liked, um, and I just stuck seeing her for most of the time. So you, you mentioned, you know, obviously you switched to the midwives because you wanted more of a natural birth and you felt like they would support that more than the OBs. Did you have any other like birth preferences or like a vision for your birth? What were you planning? What were you preparing for? Um, so I, I'd always wanted to just do like a natural delivery. Um, 
And by natural, you mean like unmedicated or just vaginal or? Um, ideally, I wanted it to be unmedicated, but biggest goal is I wanted it just to be vaginal. Um, I've read several birthing books. Um, I spent a lot of time reading those books, trying to get prepared. Like um, we took a birthing class to kind of like, that was supposed to help you be prepared if you wanted to do an unmedicated delivery. Um, so they gave like a bunch of coping skills, things you could do with that. Um, so I was really excited because I really wanted to do it unmedicated. Um, I didn't think I would have a problem doing it um, vaginally because my mom, she had 10 kids and all of them were vaginal deliveries. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I just figured genetically wise, it probably would be fine as far as Zach goes, knowing my mom. Right. <laughs> um, but my husband, his mom had had all cesarean deliveries. And so um <laughs> yeah, at least <laughs> at least genetically that's not, you know. Yeah. And so he was, he was honestly, I think, probably a little bit more like uh skeptical about the whole thing just because like his mom had to have C-sections for all of them. And they were um definitely necessary in like his mom's case. So he was definitely he never he didn't have the experience of knowing someone who had personally like had like great vaginal deliveries um because originally I wanted to have the baby either at home or at a home birth center um and he was like no we are not doing that you're going to go to the hospital (laughs) he's like I'm sorry but he's like I just he's like I don't know what I would do if something went wrong so um we compromised and we're like okay do it in the hospital but I wanted to have a doula so that was kind of like our compromise um so that's what we ended up doing got a doula which was really good yeah that's amazing (laughs) all right so tell me then nearing the end of your pregnancy about going into labor um were you induced did you spontaneously go into labor how did that all happen um, so right around the, like the last few weeks of pregnancy, I was um, doing all the things to try to go into labor just because at about 38 weeks, I was done. I was just done being pregnant, yes. done waddling around, done being pregnant. I'm right there right now. So, <laughs> and when you say you were doing all the things, tell me what you were doing. So I was doing red raspberry leaf tea um, every day. I was, being, I was making like big, big jugs of it. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing, I was, I would mix it with like lemonade or orange juice and so it was actually it made it more tolerable just because I personally didn't really like the straight up taste of red raspberry Mm -hmm. tea so mix it with a little bit of orange juice or lemonade um I was trying to do like six dates a day and usually I really like dates but having to eat six of them in one day just like (laughs) really turned me off the dates I was just like these are just so sickly sweet (laughs) I'm eating nine a day so it's Oh. I, I weigh it out because it's 70 grams. And I always tell all my like doula clients, especially like weigh it out, weigh it out, weigh it out because you know, they vary in size, especially by the type you get. And the type doesn't matter. They're really the same, but the size is different. So I always have to put a weigh yeah. them. And the ones I have right now, yeah, it's nine of them. So I do, I do like five in the morning and then four to five at night. It's not fun. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, and then I was doing um, evening primrose, um, primrose oil. Vaginally, orally. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Our, our doula just said that she saw the best efforts just doing yes. it vaginally. So we just did it vaginally and never took it orally. Um, and like, of course, I bought this giant bottle off Amazon and we used like only a handful of what was in there. So I still have a bottle of it sitting on my shelf and I have no idea what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't, yeah. <laughs> but we were doing, we built up, like we did one tablet, then we did two. And then we start, we're at the end, we were doing like three, three a night. Um, yeah. And then I did the mile circuit every day, two times, starting at 37 weeks. For 30 minutes each pose? Yeah. Wow. That's dedication. I did it last night, 15 minutes each pose. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I hate this. <laughs> it was not fun, but like, I was just so done. And, um, every time I went to the OB office, they were like, um, they would notice that, um, the baby's head was getting lower and lower down. And, um, I really wanted her head to be properly engaged because I wanted to have like a good vaginal delivery. And, um, I wanted to make sure that was something that it was happening. Plus, um, she would get her feet like stuck up in my ribs. And so when I would do that, it would help relieve that because she was moving farther down. So that's one of the big reasons why I committed to it so much because I was miserable because her foot was up in my ribs and I just, I couldn't be comfortable sitting, standing. It was just uncomfortable all the time. And so I just committed to doing it because like, that was like one of the only things that would help relieve it for a little bit. That's awesome. But yeah. I would do like the first, I would do the first side, um, during like in the morning. And then I would do like the next side in the evening. I hate um, the first pose. Yeah. The first pose is like weird. I just can't uh, relax in it. It's not comfortable. <laughs> the biggest thing that I found is the more pillows you have, the better. So right. <laughs> fluff up those pillows because I'll see. And then I also put um, a yoga mat under my knees when I mm. did it because well, that like when you have that inclined pose, my knees would just get really sore by the end of that. So I would do that. Um, and then and I would also- on the, on the note of the mile circuit real quick for anybody who does not know, I can put a link to that, um, in the show notes of the podcast, but it's essentially three different poses. You can Google this and find it so easily. Um, but it's three poses. You hold each one for 30 minutes. So it does take an hour and a half to complete. That's why when, when Brianna says she's doing it twice a day, that's three hours of the mile circuit. That's dedication. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the first pose is kind of like hands and knees, but you drop down onto your chest as much as you can with your actually knees kind of back at a greater than 90 degree angle, hold it for 30 minutes. Second pose is an exaggerated, um, on your left side with your leg up as high as you can on pillows. And then the last is just like 30 minutes of upright moving, whether it be lunging, squatting, um, on your birthing ball, anything that keeps you upright and gravity working into your pelvis. And it's really meant to bring baby first pose up and out of the pelvis, second pose, help them kind of turn, rotate. And then the last 30 minutes standing up is to help them come back down. Yeah. Just in case anybody's wondering. I I didn't know what it was. So for a while at the last pose, I would, I would just like do like sidewalking up the stairs or I would do curb walking. Um, but like in the last like week or so I started just doing on my ball because I was like so tired by the end. And I was like, I don't have time to be going up and down these stairs for like 15 (laughs) times. (laughs) Yes. Um, so I was doing that. I would be my husband. We'd go for about a two mile walk every evening or we'd try to not every evening, just depending on what his work schedule, school schedule was like, but almost every evening we would try. Um, then I was doing a little, like a little mini yoga sesh. It was about usually 20, 30 minutes just to kind of help stretch before bed. Um, but I'll kind of do that in the middle of the day, just kind of get, you know, my limbs a little limber. And then, um, I was doing these like deep yogic squats. So like you kind of, um, I'm trying to like describe it the best way is like you're almost like touching the ground like with your butt that's how far yeah. down you are um 
And surprisingly, when you're, because when you're pregnant, like you have that like relaxing hormones, you're like way more flexible. Um, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be getting in this pose. And then I was like, oh, it's actually not that bad. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was doing that. Um, I started doing all of that around like 35, 36 weeks. Um, and then um, I went, I had like false labor around like 37 and a half weeks, um, which really sucked because like I was like in false labor for over 24 hours. Um, the contractions never got any harder, which is when we figured that it was probably false labor because we did go to like the labor and delivery and they're like, um, it's not really doing anything. So you just need to go home and see if it turns into anything more intense. Um, so I was definitely bummed because I was like, I'm going through all of this. I'm not even in labor technically. <laughs> um, so we got home. We were just trying to chill it out. Um, I had to tone down on the red raspberry leaf tea for a few days just because I think that was probably just irritating me a little bit more than I needed to be. So toned down on it. Um, and then after that, I didn't really have any other signs of labor. And then I started getting really bad headaches, started seeing spots. And um, I had this terrible, like, I think it was like my upper right abdominal area pain. And so I told the midwife, she tested my urine and I have protein in my urine. So she was like, you're kind of having all of the signs and symptoms of preeclampsia. So she was like, I think the best thing that we can do for you right now is just to induce you. Um, well, your blood pressure is higher. So they were higher than normal, but they weren't like at that cusp line. She was saying where they would be like super, super concerned. Gotcha. Um, Cause I don't really know the protocol for that. I knew, I just knew I wanted to avoid a cesarean at all if possible. And so she's kind of explaining this something that the earlier you catch it, the better, because if you let it get too worse, it's just not a good situation for mom or baby. Yes. So the last thing I wanted to be was induced. Um, but we kind of just decided that it was in the best interest of the baby and I just to go ahead and get induced. Um, but because I was like so focused on just having like an all after delivery, I didn't really prepare myself for like induction because I always told myself I was never going to get induced. I was like, I'm going to go to 42 weeks. I'm just going to have the baby the way it's going to be. <laughs> um, and so I prepared myself just like that. We were just going to do like an actual delivery. I was not going to get induced like at all. So um, when they, when we decided to get induced, I like really had no idea like what the protocol for like getting induced was. It was like totally threw me off and I um, definitely was very stressed, but it was nice because we had already had all of our bags packed. Car seat was already installed. Um, so everything was ready. So it definitely took stress off of the fact that like, we didn't have to like throw things together last minute. Um, Cause I got induced at like 39 weeks plus three days. Um, the midwife who came in to tell us about the induction, um, she made it seem like that we were going to have the baby because we got induced on a Wednesday. She's like, you're going to have the baby by like Thursday. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not bad. <laughs> I can do that. You know, it's only 24 hours. Um, Cause she said they were going to do Cytotec first. Um, and then they were going to try to do a little bit of Pitocin, see if that would help kickstart it. 
And then um, she was like, hopefully your body will just go into labor by itself. We won't have to use the Pitocin. And, um, you know, you'll just have the baby by tomorrow. She said afternoon or evening. Um, I wish. <laughs> it was not that easy at all. <laughs> um, Do you know where so- you started? Like as far as, you know, cervical check, um, did they check you before they started the induction to give you kind of a baseline? Yeah. So I stayed after I hit 38 weeks to like 39, I was one centimeter in like 60% effaced. Okay. So being effaced was, I, I think that's everybody told me that's the most important part in the beginning. Not really dilation doesn't really tell you anything if you're not effaced. So um, um, they started doing cytotech. Um, we did that for, we did several rounds of that. And I got a face like to 70% maybe maybe like 80%. Um, cause we did, cause I'm trying to think how many rounds we did. I think the tip is the typical protocol, like three rounds of cytotech over like a period of like were 12 you, hours. Something. Were you taking it orally or vaginally? They were doing it vaginally. Well, um, no, actually, they were doing it orally. My bad. Orally. Um, it's every four hours and truly the dose is dependent on the practitioner. Normally we start off with like a higher dose and then we drop down like from 50 to 25 for the following, but I would say on average, it's three to four doses, four hours apart. So, um, it can be, I would say roughly, yeah, like 12 hours is pretty basic and yeah, it just depends on how your body responds and how your contractions respond. Yeah. So we started, um, we started doing outside attack around, I think four, 4 PM on Wednesday. Okay. Um, we hit like 12 hours later. It was like really early in the morning. Checked again. Nothing had changed. Like I think I might've faced like 10% more, but like other than that, nothing changed. I wasn't having any contractions. Um, and so they're like, all right well our next game plan is we're just gonna put you on pitocin and we're gonna see if this is gonna speed boost your labor um i was on pitocin for 12 hours couldn't feel it at all no contractions nothing um they put it like on the highest drip and like my mom had always told me um her horror stories of having pitocin because she hated pitocin with a passion but i mean she got induced for almost all of us so she was very familiar with it. And she was like, yeah, if you're starting your own pedestrian, you're going to be in a lot of pain. And so I was like mentally preparing myself. This is not going to be a good situation. Um, and I couldn't feel anything. I was like, I don't know what big fuss is. I was like, I'm on the highest. I don't feel nothing. Um, that's because it's not working. <laughs> pretty much. Um, and that's what they told me. They're like, yeah, this is doing literally nothing for you. So we're just going to stop. Um, so I stopped doing it. They let me eat dinner, which was like, the best thing in the world because like when you can only have like little like jello and those like little popsicles <laughs> I was like so done with those I was like I need real food I cannot deal with eating these little popsicles anymore right um so Thursday evening they let us eat super great um our doula she was texting us um she was able to kind of give us like a heads up kind of like what was going to happen. And when we had told her what our midwife had said about, you know, having the baby by Thursday, she originally apparently told my husband, she was like, um, you need to try to mentally prepare yourself. This is going to be a few days because this is her first baby. And this is probably going to take several days. So just prepare yourself because she didn't want us to get like too excited and then disappointed because nothing was happening. Um, but like at first, I didn't really believe it until, you know, after 12 hours of cytotex, 12 hours of pitocin, nothing was changing or happening. I was like, okay, this is probably going to take a lot longer than I realized it was going to take. 
Um, because I everybody on the nursing staff was trying to be as optimistic as possible, which is great. But I definitely I felt like weird because I feel like I was like my body's not doing anything and they're making it seem like I should be doing stuff. So there's definitely a part where I was worried that um something would have to happen where they're like, we're just gonna do a C-section on you because you're not doing anything. Um so you know, my blood pressure was like kind of up and down. Um Thankfully, like as far as the preeclampsia symptoms went, they kind of stayed the same. They didn't get any worse throughout the induction, which was great. Um, it's kind of the same little spots here and there. Pretty bad headaches every now and then. They weren't all the time. So definitely pretty mild. Um, I think I got a little bit of fluid buildup, but it really wasn't that much. And it was mostly like in my uh, legs. Um, so that was pretty nice when it didn't spread everywhere else. Because <laughs> I'd seen pictures of people who like swelled up really badly. And I was like, please do not happen to me. <laughs> um, so thankfully all that seemed pretty chill. They brought us um, in like this little yoga ball. And um, I didn't realize you have to be like on this little chair stand thingy in the hospital when you have like the yoga balls to kind of keep it supported. Um, because apparently I wasn't supposed to take the ball off this little chair thingy because it was like too slippery or there was like a fall hazard. So they had like this liability. So like I couldn't, I, no take, idea. It. <laughs> I couldn't take it off of this little stand. Like thing. just like a normal like birthing ball, like what I'm sitting on right now. Yeah, they I had to have it like it was on like this, it was a, a ring metal ring, and then the back yeah. of it had like a little uh, chair kind of thing to it. Um, but they wouldn't let me take it off because you said that like liability reasons why they couldn't have me do that. I've never heard of that before, but <laughs> use them at your own risk, I guess. <laughs> they don't I seem know. dangerous, but I know I was like, okay. I mean, I was like, okay, I guess that's fine. I mean, I was still able to use it pretty decently. Um, <laughs> I, I may or may not have taken it off just to do some. Yeah, I hope so. But, um, you know, I'm not going to say that I for sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, um, so we got to do that, which is pretty, um, which is pretty nice just through all of it to kind of have like bouncing ball to kind of help relieve some of the pressure, just trying to get things moving along. Um, so Thursday evening after they had let us eat, they came and they're like, well, we're going to try to do a cook catheter. Um, they had tried to do one in the beginning before they did cytotex and I wasn't dilated enough for it. So they couldn't do it. Um, so they were trying to do it again. But um, it was really hard for them to try to get it in. And I was, it was in a, I was in a lot of pain while they were trying to do it. But um, she was just, um, the midwife was like, just, just hold on, you know, let's just see if we can get it in. It's going to hurt, you know, for right now. But once I get it in, you know, hopefully things will move along. So um, that honestly, the catheter is probably the worst part of the entire labor for me personally, just because it caused me so much pain um for some reason because I really wasn't dilated and so they're kind of just kind of forcing it to go in um so they finally succeeded in getting it in and like the pain that it caused me I was like I was in agony for several hours like they had to give me morphine because I was in so much pain I remember crying and just begging my husband just to take me home I remember telling the nurses they needed to get it out of me because it was too painful <laughs> um and they gave me morphine to help calm me down. Well, that was awesome. Um, 
And so I ended up sleeping a little bit, but I, I just remember like tossing and turning the whole night. Cause I was so uncomfortable. It was, I was in so much pain. Um, and then around like five, 6 AM, I remember feeling like I had to go to the bathroom, like really bad. So I went in the bathroom and then it, the catheter just like fell out. And, um, I, at first I thought there was something wrong with it. Cause I was like, um, it just came out of me. And I was like, I do not want to get you put back in at all. <laughs> um, and then they came in and they're like, oh yeah, it came out. That's so great. They're like, that means you're like at least five centimeters dilated. And I was like, okay, as long as you're not putting it back in me, then we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were like, all right, so we're going to put you on Pitocin now because we want to have your labor to keep moving in this direction and not to like stall or not do anything else at this point. Um, so they started on Pitocin and that's when I finally started to feel the Pitocin. I was like, oh, this is what Pitocin actually feels like. Um, and I tried doing like breath work with it. I tried coping with it. My husband was like putting pressure on my back, but the contractions were just so close together. I would get like, you know, 15, maybe 30 seconds of break. And then I would be hit with another one. Mm-hmm. And I w- I tried to tough through it for like about five hours and around like nine, 10 AM. I was like, I can't do this anymore because I'm not being able to relax because it's just one contraction after the other. Um, I tried listening to, um, there's this YouTuber, her name's Bridget Taylor, I think. Yeah, yeah she did like her birth meditation, um, like things. I tried doing those while I was having contractions. Um, I was trying my best to breathe through them, but just for me personally, like it wasn't like super terrible pain. It was just, I wasn't getting any breaks. I felt like, I just felt like I just was able just to take a breath out and then another one is starting again. Um, and so I was not able to like relax or chill at all. And it was just getting to the point where I was just getting worked up really. I was just really stressed and worked up because I just couldn't relax. Um, I, I didn't know how to get through this stage because it was just so constant. I didn't like none of the things I'd prepared to like, you know, help distract myself from contractions. It wasn't working. Um, Cause I think we had like something like squeeze in my hand. Um, we were trying to do like, you know, visual distractions, trying to do breaths. My husband was like, you know, pressing on the back. Um, I was bouncing on my yoga ball, trying just to, you know, relax a little bit. Um, but <laughs> nothing was helping. It just seemed like it was just continually just getting to the point where I was just like, I don't really want an epidural, but um, in that whole five hours, I only um, got six centimeters. And I was like, I know. <laughs> from what I've read that you're not going to dilate more unless your body starts to relax a little bit. So I was like, I know this is going to just drag out forever if I don't um, have something to like calm myself down. And I'd asked them if they could turn the Pitocin down a little bit because I wanted to see if I could handle it. But um, apparently they said they couldn't do that just because they didn't want it to start stalling. So I was definitely like a little bummed about that because I I wanted to see what it'd be like with less, but I understand from their point, you know, they didn't want it to take any longer than this was already taking. So um, I just decided to get an epidural and I was really bummed about it because like, I thought that I just like failed. Like I was like, I, I was like, I think I've just failed because I can't do this like at all. Like I can't manage the pain. Um, 
but my husband and my doula came ran as they were doing my epidural um because we we wanted her to be there right when like labor was kind of like getting to like the hard part because we kind of wanted that early stages just to kind of have time as you know a couple of bonding being there um I feel like I probably would have wanted to have asked her probably to come earlier like when I was having like all of the um Pitocin early in the morning but um for whatever reason I kept saying no I don't really remember why I was like no it's fine like she can wait a little bit longer before coming in um so you know obviously she wasn't just gonna barge in here after we had said we were fine <laughs> um but my husband ended up you know texting her and be like yeah you should probably should come um so she got there right as they were putting the epidural in um and they had a student anesthesiologist put my epidural in, um, <laughs> which I'm not against students learning, practicing, but when I'm having contractions, like, and I'm in a lot of pain, I was like, great. Thankfully, the student wasn't terrible. She definitely, she like, uh, she like went too far to one side and that hurt <laughs> pretty bad. And the, and I heard that the, uh, the, uh, whoever was supervising her was like, you see, that's why we don't do that. And I was like, on me on me <laughs> um but um thankfully she did a really good job because I had asked if we could do like a light epidural because I wanted something to help with the pain but I didn't want to have no use of my lower body so they said they were going to try to just give me a light epidural um and the epidural ended up working pretty perfectly so even though she was a student she did a good job it was kind of a rough beginning but props to her she did a good job um, <laughs> um I got the epidural and finally, I could start feeling some relief. I was like, okay, things I was like, and I was trying to get better and better headspace. My doula was there. She's like, you know, this doesn't mean you failed. You can still have the brief you want. Um, you know, she's like, I think that in your situation, getting an epidural is probably the best thing that you could do right now because um, you need to start relaxing at this point. Like, and just constantly being in pain and stress is not going to help you or the baby. Um, so, um, and thankfully, uh, my baby, because they had her like on the monitor like the whole time, they said she was the best baby on the floor. She never had any hard decelerations, um, always had a strong heartbeat. Um, she was just a little feisty because they were always coming in at least every half hour adjusting the monitor. Yeah. She was moving all over the place. Um, and I fucked up the nurses because they kept coming in and having to adjust the monitor. I was like, I'm sorry, guys. Um, but the the one nurse we got on the day of delivery, she was so sweet. I loved her so much. Um, she was so supportive just being there um, the whole time. Um, so yeah, I was really grateful we had her. Um, the midwife who was on call, um, she was like the, their veteran midwife. So she'd been there since the beginning. So she was very experienced. She's super chill. Um, we had met her before when we had preterm labor and we already really liked her. So we were really happy that we got to have her on that day. Our nurse was fantastic. We had a doula. Um, so after I got the epidural, I was able to like, I could still move my legs. It was harder to move them. Definitely. Like it felt like they were like 10 times heavier, <laughs> but I could still like move them and feel, feel a little bit, but not too much. Um, and like, I could kind of tell when I was getting contractions, but it wasn't painful. So that was definitely a big <laughs> relief for me. Yeah. I was like, finally, like I'm not in so much pain. Um, 
and I definitely think looking back that um I I wish I wouldn't have been so hard on myself in the beginning just getting that epidural because um it really it really did help me and um I think that you know everybody's situation is different and you know the epidural is there for a reason and you know I feel like it has its place so I was I was very glad <laughs> that that was available that I'm able to use um so I ended up just taking like an epidural nap for like an hour or two because the night before I had just been so tired because I had been in so much pain, tossing and turning, couldn't get comfortable. So I was really exhausted and I knew that I needed to save my energy for like when I needed to start pushing. So they placed the epidural, I think like around 9.30 a.m. I took like an hour or two nap, woke up, my doula was giving me like popsicles, bone broth, a um, little bit of stuff to help keep my energy going. Um, she put up little fairy lights in the delivery room, turned the lights off. She had a diffuser. Um, and then she had like this little cotton ball and like this little um, plastic thing that was scented with like lavender. And that really helped because I would feel a little bit nauseous and then you like smell it and it would help you not be so nauseous. <laughs> um, so I, I love smelling that thing. Like I just kept putting it to my nose. I was like, this smells so great. <laughs> um, and then I was sitting up, um, I had the peanut balls rotating with the peanut ball. Um, and my doula was like, she's like rubbing my feet a little bit and like rubbing, <laughs> she's giving me a little bit of massage, which was so nice. Like I just felt so relaxed and I was like, okay, like I'm definitely like, this is definitely a good labor experience like once I got over the initial guilt of having to get an epidural um I was like you know this is actually really great like I'm having like a good time and like and I'm in labor like <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty good that's pretty good to like be actually being able like this is good and being in labor right um and then I remember just start to feel like this intense pressure and I was like and my doula warned me she's like you know you're gonna feel like you have to poop but you don't actually have to poop. <laughs> um, and it definitely, I don't, I don't think I can describe it any other way than just like, you feel like you have to poop. That's honestly what it feels there like. There is no other um, way. Um, <laughs> Cause it always weirded me out when people said that. And I was like, I, I was like, that just sounds weird to me. And then once you're in the moment, you're like, oh yeah, I can totally see why people say you have to push. Mm -hmm. um, why I feel like you have to poop. So um, I just started feeling like this intense amount of pressure. And I was like, I was like, I feel like I need to push. Like, I was like, my body's telling me that I need to start pushing. Um, so um, they checked and I was like at 10 centimeters and they were like, okay. They're like, yeah, you can start pushing if uh, you feel like you need to push. My doula had had me try to wait until um, they could, I'm trying to remember. She, she didn't just wait till we were like 10 centimeters. She had me labor down. Um, which I feel like was really great because um, she had said, if you don't wait to labor down, because um, once you start um, pushing, you're on the clock and you only have like um, a few hours where they'll give you time to push before they start trying to do interventions. Um, so she's like, try to, we'll try to labor down. So I think we tried to labor down for about an hour. Or so after that 10 centimeters, um, which was uncomfortable because I had all this pressure and I wanted to push, but I was like, I don't really think it would probably be a good idea. So I didn't push, even though I felt like I needed to. Um, and then after that hour, I was like, okay, I was like, I have to push and I have to push now because 
that's what my body's forcing me to do right now. I have no other option. Like I have to push. Um, so they, I ended up the first pushing, pushing position I did was they had the hospital bed inclined up and I was holding on the back of it on my knees. Um, so I started pushing there. I started pushing around, I see like 250-ish, um, maybe a little earlier. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and the midwife came in, tracked, she's like, okay, she's like, you know, I'll be back in like about an hour or two, see where your house, see how you're coming along, you know. And um, I was like, okay, you know, because I expected probably pushing for a first-time mom to probably take longer. Um, because my mom and my mom's uh for my brother took like four hours for her first delivery, and then the rest of us came out pretty easily, she said. So I was I was prepared that it could take longer for a first baby. Um and then they ended up flipping me onto my stomach and they're like, they're like, we can see, we can see your head, we can see her hair. Um, and I was like, what? <laughs> I'd only been pushing for like um about 20 minutes at that point. They could already see her head and her hair. Um and they got me a mirror to see, um, which I think some people find that helpful. But personally for me, that weirded me out because I was like, this is just so weird to me. I was like, I don't know how I feel about being able to see this going down. Um, they had me like touch the top of her like head and I was like, all right, that's enough for me. I was like, that's good. <laughs> um, I was like, that's okay. You know, that I, that's cool. And, but I was like, but I don't want the mirror anymore. Like I saw what I needed to see. That's all I need to see. Um, <laughs> and um, so my doula was helping me like through breasts and pushing. Um, I was a, what they, they called me a silent pusher. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't really making like much noise. Um, I was pretty quiet. So, cause I was trying, cause I remember during the different things I was saying that if, Sometimes if you're very vocal while you're pushing, sometimes it can take away from the force of the push. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to focus all of my energy just on pushing. Um, I think I was like, like moaning a little bit, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like screaming or anything. Um, <laughs> so I was just trying to push. Um, I could definitely feel her like moving down, which was a very cool feeling. Like I didn't know how I would feel with the pushing phase, but it's something that I really wanted to be able to feel. And I'm glad that I was able to, because I could like feel her body, like move, come a little back, back up, move down, come a little back up, which to me was like super fascinating that I could feel that. Um, um, I remember there's this one point where it took a couple minutes for her to get past this one spot. Um, and I think she had a little bit of like a scratch on the back of her head from it. I think they told me she was like rubbing against like a, one of my bones or something. That's why she had that little scratch on the back of her head. Um, but I just remember just feeling like it was like so cool being able to feel her just like move down. Um, and so about 30 minutes go by and they're like, all right, she's going to have this baby like any minute now. And um the midwife comes in who is on call and she was like, she's like, all right, everyone's making this big fuss. You're going to have this baby any minute now. She's like, she's just a little bit elderly, super sweet. She's like, let me see. She's like, oh, she's like, we're going to have this baby now. <laughs> and she was like, I did not expect this at all. <laughs> she's like, you're being my like third time mom down the hall. <laughs> she's like, y'all started at the same time. That's awesome. 
is the nurses they had had like a bet who was gonna have the baby first apparently because um the nurse who was with me she was like she's gonna have this baby like really fast like I can tell um and the other nurse who was with the other mom they're like she's like no mine's gonna have the baby first and so <laughs> when she came out they like cheered because I had mine before the other lady <laughs> um which is pretty entertaining um so I was like at that final stage of pushing and um I just remember just happy just like having to put so much energy into it but like it feels so good when you're pushing like it's like hard to describe like when you're not pushing that's like when it's very uncomfortable but when you're actively pushing it feels so good just to push um and thankfully I could feel whenever I needed to push so I didn't have to be coached like like oh you're having a big contraction now you need to push um because like I know sometimes with epidurals you can't really feel like when you need to push so people have to coach you but I was able to feel like oh like my body has to push and it needs to push now um so I was pushing like super like back to back um um and finally like you know her head started coming out and my husband really wanted to deliver the baby so the midwife, you know, got him over there and got him situated and he was able to catch her, which is like super great. He, he loved being able to have that experience and I'm so glad he was able to have that. Um, but I just remember like when her shoulder came out, like I could feel just like, it was like the max stretch that I feel like I possibly could have ever stretched down there. And I was like, I let a little bit of yell because I could feel that shoulder coming out and I was like that it didn't hurt but like it was a ton of pressure and I was like there's no way my body can stretch any more than that right now <laughs> um and they had, my doula had done arnica she, she had had the nurses do warm compresses and arnica oil um which apparently worked really well because I didn't have any tears and awesome. I I was so grateful for that because I wasn't terrified of getting tears, but I also didn't love the idea of having a tear. Nice. So I was like, I was like, that's so great that I didn't tear at all. Um, my placenta came out like super fast afterwards, apparently. I remember feeling it come out, but I was like so obsessed with the baby. I don't really remember like what it kind of felt like. Like it's very blurry. Because, like, as soon as they put her on my chest, like, that's, like, all I was focused on. I just, yeah. and just, and she cried as soon as she came out. And she let out a scream. Um, she let everybody know she was there and she was just ready to be in the world. Um, and just, like, hearing your baby cry for the first time, like, that's a sound that you're never going to forget. Um, and it's just the purest sound. And, like, you immediately just feel, like, all of this, like, like love and just like overwhelming sense of like accomplishment and just like such pride that you're able to to do that and as soon as I put her on my chest it was like the best feeling in the world <laughs> I was on cloud nine I was like I was like life can't get any better than this moment right here um and I was like crying I was like so overwhelmed um my doula she got pictures of everything and I'm so happy because looking back at those pictures, you can just like see like all of the emotions like that you have during that moment. Um, and we have pictures of him being able to catch her, deliver her. Oh, that's amazing. So he cut, he was able to cut the cord. So it was so great. She came out so strong, so healthy. There's no issues with her. Um, so she was able to stay with me for, you know, the golden hour. And then they like weighed her, did her little checks and everything. Um, I 
opted to have like the vernix stay in because I, I wanted to rub it all in her skin. Mm -hmm. So um, they wiped a little bit off of it, of it off. That was like a little bit bloody and stuff. Um, but I massaged the rest of it into her skin because I, I think I'd seen somewhere that was really beneficial for them. So I just kind of like rubbed it into her skin like lotion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was like the birth experience. And then they did a fundus massage and I was not prepared for that at all. <laughs> I don't really remember that part of the birth class because that hurt. Like they're like, yeah, we're just gonna do a fundus massage. And I was like, oh, that sounds nice. And they did it and I was like, no, this is not, not what nice. you think. <laughs> um, and then they have to do that like every few hours to come in and check. Um, and I was like, no one properly prepared me for this <laughs> um but I just remember like after I gave birth I was like I can do anything and so I after like that first hour um she like latched on really easily um she like latched on like 10 minutes after I gave birth and she was like trying to nurse for like an hour like the whole time like the golden hour she was trying to just nurse the whole time so um I was pretty happy about that. But after that was done, um, my husband got to hold her for the first time and the nurse was like, all right, you know, let's just see how you're feeling. Maybe if you're starting to get ready to get up because you need to use the bathroom on your own before, you know, we're going to take you to your recovery room. She's like, you know, let me help you, you know, get up, you know, help you walk a little bit. And I was like, nah, I got it. I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> so I like went to get up and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, my legs feel like jello right now. <laughs> um, but I remember just trying to like tough it out. And I was like, yeah, I can totally walk all the way there. I'm totally fine right now. Um, and I just remember her just not saying anything and just her holding my hand and supporting my arm. <laughs> um, and then I remember her helping me like get like the huge massive afterbirth pads and underwear yeah. on and I'm so grateful to her because she just because I I thought I was like so independent and on top of everything at that moment she was so sweet she never said anything she's like oh <laughs> she's like helping me get everything pulled together um that first time getting up is it can be pretty hard <laughs> yeah and I was I was just like oh I totally got this and I was like yeah I could totally walk to the recovery room they're like no no, you can ride in the bed. It's fine. Why do you, don't you want to hold your baby? <laughs> um, so, um, um, so I'm trying to think. So yeah. So after that, I thought I was like on cloud nine. I thought I could just do anything in the world. Got in the recovery room. I was like, wow. I was like, my body looks so great right now. I was like standing, looking in the mirror. I was like, I don't even look pregnant anymore. Um, and I think I took a picture and I looked back and I still look like six months pregnant, but in my mind, <laughs> I was like, I don't look pregnant at all anywhere. I was like, it's so hot right now. <laughs> After a three-day induction, I love it. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is the best thing in the world. Um, we like FaceTime our families. Yeah. Got to show them the baby. Everyone is like so happy. Um, um, when we had her, uh, the cases like in COVID, we were kind of at a low point because we had her um, end of April. Um, and so they were allowing two visitors to come in. So his parents were able to come the first night and they were able to come see her. And then the next night, my parents were able to come and see her. So that was nice being able to have our parents to come visit her for about an hour or two. Um, yeah, after we were done FaceTiming people, um, I remember getting up because I needed to go to the bathroom and I was like, 
oh my gosh, like I'm in so much pain. I was like, I feel like I've been hit by a truck <laughs> and I feel like my high was officially over and reality was starting to sink in. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I remember like going to the bathroom and I was like, it hurts to pee. It hurts to just move. Um, I remember being, I remember thinking curry bottles were weird, but those things were just a gift because I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Um, so the Perry bottles were amazing, which hazel pads were the best thing that has ever happened <laughs> to after pregnancy because they feel so cool, nice. They gave me like ice packs to put down there, um, which were so helpful. But yeah, I definitely, after that high, I started to like realize I was like, yeah, I definitely feel like I just pushed a watermelon out. That's yep. what I feel like. That's totally normal though. <laughs> and how was your postpartum experience once you guys got home? So, um, postpartum wise, so when we got home, we had, we got held an extra day at the hospital because she was showing concerning uh, levels of her bilirubin rising up, but they weren't high enough where they could still hold us. So they ended up sending us home. Um, it was actually my birthday because my daughter was born two days before my birthday. So we got home. It was my birthday. All of our family wanted to throw a party and come over. And I was still feeling relatively like pretty decent. Like I didn't sleep hardly at all in the hospital, but none of it, I feel like really caught up to me until we were home. And so at, at first when they were like, we're going to have this like nice party for you. We're all going to come see the baby. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds doable. Like, you know, this sounds, this sounds attainable. And then we got home and then, you know, my family was over, his family was over. I felt I could just feel I was exhausted beyond belief I was hurting everywhere and the last thing I wanted to do was pass my baby around to people and <laughs> just be like sociable with everyone um I mean <laughs> I was when I told them they could come so I was like I was like you just need to tough it through they're only gonna be here for a couple hours and then after they're gone they won't be back for a little while so um and they brought food you know they brought all the food they brought stuff to, for the next few days so they're very sweet very understanding um but definitely took off more than I definitely should have <laughs> that's one thing that I've learned is after I have a baby the first thing that I'm going to do for the first couple of days we're home is not have any visitors. Yes. Not because they were bad visitors, but just because it's just too much when you first come back home. It's just too much for sure. Um, especially when you're first trying to bond with your baby, like, and then everybody wants to hold them. Like you definitely get this like protective feeling. And I, for me, I was just super anxious. Like I was like on guard all the time when people were holding her. Cause like I have nine siblings, he has five. Then our parents, you know, she was getting passed around quite frequently because, you know, everybody wanted a chance to hold her. Um, and after they left, I just cried. I cried and I cried, and I cried because if everything was just finally getting to me. And I was like, and I was like, I don't, I was like, what did we do? I was like, how do we have a baby? Like we're responsible for a baby now. Like, I was like, I just had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so real right now. And I don't know how we're supposed to get through the next couple of weeks um, because um, I had had like zero sleep practically in the last two days because she was up all the time, super fussy, just wanting to cluster feed all the time, um, which is great, you know, trying to bring milk in, 
I really wanted to do breastfeeding. So um, I knew that was something that needed to happen, but I just wasn't prepared for just how sore your, your, just your shoulders and your back from like trying to learn to breastfeed. It's super frustrating the first few weeks, at least in my experience, trying to figure out like breastfeeding because they're learning, you're learning. Um, breastfeeding pillow is, is a send from the Lord because <laughs> that helped so much with my back issues. Yes. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend if you're going to breastfeed and get the My Breast Friend pillow because that was a lifesaver for me. <laughs> um, it definitely helped me not be like in so much pain being slumped over all the time. Um, and so we, so the next day we had a pediatric appointment for her because they wanted to check her bilirubin levels and they were pretty concerned because the levels had already jumped to a dangerous level. And from what they told us that if it gets to a certain point, it can cause brain damage potentially. So they were thinking about, they said, if we couldn't get the at-home lights that we were going to have to go to the hospital and she's going to have to do light therapy for a couple of days, um, which I, I remember being very stressed about because we were just in the hospital and the thought of her having to be in a little blue light incubator by herself just like really made me like super sad and stressed. And so I was really hoping they would be able to find um, an at-home blanket for us. Um, thankfully they were, and they got it sent to the house. But even then she had to be on, they said she had to be on it at least 23 hours of a 24 hour day. It's like, if you take her off of it, only do it for like little like brief changes, stuff like that. Other than that, she needs to stay on there the whole time. Um, and she had to have these little blue light um, covers for her eyes. Um, and I just remember being like, it, I was not, I wasn't prepared for like seeing her like that. And like, obviously she wasn't like, you know, hooked up to a bunch of machines. It was just like seeing her having to like be on these lights, not being able to hold her as much as I wanted to. Um, you know, she had to have those little goggles on her eyes. Like it just made me so sad for some reason. I just, I it definitely was not something that I prepared myself for at all. Cause like, I had no idea that people even had to do blue light therapy until they told me that's what she needed. Um, and then the other stress was my milk didn't come in until about day six, which is normal. They said for first time moms, you know, it can take about a week for your milk to come in. But um, it was very stressful because um, we um, almost had to put her on formula because she had only had like one wet diaper in like 12 hours. And that was really concerning that she was getting overhydrated. Um, no, not overhydrated. She was underhydrated. She's dehydrated. Um, so my husband went out and he bought a pump and uh, we were trying to do all the things to try to get as much milk in her as possible because, um, I was producing a little bit of milk during those few days, but it wasn't a lot. Um, but she was so exhausted from having her jaundice the way she was. She was too tired to nurse. Like she, she would fall asleep. She wouldn't, she wouldn't really nurse. So, um, I ended up pumping for about two days and we had put it in bottles and that way she was actually getting fluid because she was too tired to actually nurse. Um, and at first I had been really against using bottles. I didn't want to use any bottles for like, you know, the first couple of weeks. I didn't want her to have like nipple confusion, but I'm definitely glad we did because even though we used bottles for a couple of days for like that first week, 
um, when we put her back um, to, to breastfeed, she didn't have any issues. Like she just went on nurse like a champ and there wasn't like any confusion, which was <laughs> very nice. I was very relieved because, um, you know, I just didn't want there to be like a huge issue with her not wanting the breast anymore and only wanting bottles. Right. Um, so um, yeah, the jaundice thing, she had to go to the pediatric office every single day. So they had to restick her every day, check her levels to make sure they were going down. Um, and I just remember it was a very stressful first week because she wasn't sleeping that well. She was on blue light therapy. We had to go to the doctor's office every day, except for I think one day for that whole week. And they had to stick her foot every time. And she, and just seeing her get her little foot stuck every day just broke my heart. Like I felt so sad for her. <laughs> um, cause you just, cause you just watch them like try to scrape all the little blood into the little vial. And I just, it just broke my mama heart. I was like, I'm so sorry that you have to go through this. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely that first week was like, I had no idea how I was going to survive on so little sleep, so stressed, so worried, but like you almost get like this superhuman strength because like I had no idea I could even function with as little sleep as I had, but surprisingly your body's like, you can survive this, you know, it's only for a short period of time. Um, and so I was able to like push through, but it was definitely insane how little sleep I had and yet I could still function and be awake to take care of my daughter um yeah that's something that I also was like I had no idea just how sleep deprived you will be like it's it's a whole other world of being sleep deprived <laughs> yes it definitely is and so you know did the jaundice levels ended up how long did that take how long was she on the the lights and everything um, so she was on them for a total of three days. Okay. That's pretty good. So they, That's Yeah. So thankfully it wasn't too bad. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brianna, for just sharing your entire story from, you know, three-day induction to at least, Hey, three-day induction ended in a pretty quick, you know, actual birth slash pushing spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And just sharing, you know, of course, all about the Red Wags Relief Tea, the dates, the miles circuit, tons of good, just like wisdom and advice. If you're pregnant, please do those things. It does nothing but just help you, you know, help prepare you and help prepare your body. Um, but yes, thank you for sharing your story. And especially, you know, postpartum things can be really hard when you don't prepare. I mean, jaundice is something that I think a lot of people don't prepare for because you don't think it's going to happen. It's, I don't want to yeah. say it's like rare because it's not necessarily rare, but it's definitely not common or something that you hear about on a daily basis. So, yeah. you know, sleep deprivation on top of just watching yeah. your baby get poked and prodded and having to go to the pediatrician definitely can make those baby blues a little bit more and severe. Yeah. I would definitely say for any like moms out there, I would say the one thing I would be like, adamant about is like don't be afraid to like ask for help because that's one thing that I was like really hesitant at first because I didn't want to like be a bother to anybody but like don't be afraid like if you have people that can help you have them help you because it will make your life so much easier and people aren't going to think like you're a bad mom or something just because you need help um and um also like prioritize like making sure you have like a good freezer full of good food because that is one thing that is I found to be very, very beneficial is to have meals ready in the freezers. You don't want to think that's the last thing you're going to think about when you're taking care of a newborn. Yes. Um, and don't put so much pressure on yourself because um, 
I was always like, I was like, there's all these chores and I'm not getting to, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I would just say, give yourself grace in this period of time because it goes by so quickly. And these, those moments, you know, enjoy those baby cuddles, vacuuming dishes can wait. Yep. You know, that's not going to be something that you're going to look back and wish you had done your dishes more. Yep. Um, so give yourself grace. And then, um, if you like start noticing like you're having a bunch of anxiety or depression, definitely get therapy because I am in therapy because I had a lot of postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. So that's something that also like, if you're noticing and like things are just getting to a point where it doesn't feel, it's more than baby blues, don't be afraid to go to therapy because I feel like that's something that I found very helpful and beneficial and it's made my life with my baby so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I love all of that. And I just could not agree more. It definitely takes a village and you just can't be afraid. Also, like when you, you know, like you said, like the dishes can wait and vacuuming can wait when you have people over, like you, you know, give them a task. Like if you're going to yeah. come over, you don't just get to relax and hold my baby while I'm, you know, so sleep deprived, like yeah. <laughs> take five minutes, do some of my dishes and then come hold her, you know? <laughs> so do not be afraid to, you know, give people some chores. <laughs> Yeah, have a chore jar. That's what yes. we wanted to do is just have a chore jar and have people just plot a strip and do that before they do anything else. I love it. Yeah, you got to earn you got to earn your baby snuggles. They don't come free. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Brianna. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Where can people connect with you or find you at? Um, they can probably find me on my Instagram at Brianna Roberts 5. Um, just DM me, um, before, because I have a private account. So gotcha. usually if I see a follow, it's usually a spam account. So just DM me if you want to follow me. <laughs> awesome. I will link that in the show notes of the podcast as well. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.